That's what people want. They want to be on a list and they want to be getting a high signal to noise ratio. And if you've given them inputs, signals, you can then respond in kind with content that helps them with that. And, and, and that's just a matter of you curating and saying, all right, I've, you know, I have three different groups that people fit into. I've written a lot of content. How can I, you know, curate things in such a way that appeals to each of these groups? In this episode, I talked to Brennan Dunn. And Brennan is a longtime friend. He's been around actually since the very early days of ConvertKit. Uh, he was helping me like review pull requests from our very first developers. Uh, so we've known each other a long time. Uh, and so we talked about the early days when we started working together, um, so, you know, became friends and all that. But Brennan these days is mostly known as uh, being an expert in all things email marketing and automation. So he's fantastic at segmenting your list, uh, personalizing the content, using Liquid, all these advanced things to create this, you know, custom experience for each of your subscribers. So in this episode, we talk about how to break that down. Like, what are some of the ways that you can get into automation more gradually, you know? And then even we have some of the examples of like the crazy advanced things uh, that he does with liquid and snippets and all this stuff to create a totally custom experience. So it was a really fun episode. We talk about, uh, you know, how you can earn more money from email building these systems. So I think you're going to love it. Let's dive in. Brennan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nathan. So we haven't actually spoken in a year and you've had like all kinds of big life changes. You live on a different continent from the last time you and I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've, as you know, I'm, I'm now in the UK, um, which it's been wild. I mean, moved to the UK, sold a house in the US, bought a house here, got my dog over, had a baby, just a lot of things in the last year that have <laughs> yeah. been yeah. Keeping me busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the, the thing I didn't actually internalize until I moved here was it's kind of like being a teenager all over again in the sense that had no credit score. I couldn't even get a like a mobile phone like <laughs> account because they're like, you don't have any credit. And I'm like, yeah. Um, I was able to get a house amazingly because they used my US income, which apparently was hard to do. Okay. Um, and yeah, just like had to relearn how to drive. Like I had to do the whole like <laughs> driving school thing and it's, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. So you're like going in, you're like, I'm a fully functioning adult. I have a successful career, like I'm internet famous. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, funny enough, it, the only way that, uh, any, uh, like the one advantage I had was the driving and the, the driving examiner here when I passed my test. Um, it's first off, it's a lot harder here than in the US. Because the, the test in the US is like, well, it's I like mean, driving as a 15 year old or so, you know, so like, yeah, exactly. It's not that yeah. difficult. I mean, here it's, 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 it's pretty comparatively intense. Um, but it was funny. The uh, driving examiner, I found out, well, we were just chatting and found out we were both pilots oh, nice. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just started talking about planes and he's like all right like you're you're good let's just drive around for the rest of the time and yeah. just talk talk aviation um so that was that was pretty cool yeah so yeah. uh there's a bunch of stuff in that but um did you end up selling your plane because you you were flying out in virginia yeah yeah so the problem is um to get it across the ocean you, there's two ways of doing that you can either take off the wings and stick it on a container ship, uh -huh. uh, which is risky from like a mechanic point of view and that it could get dinged up and all that stuff. Or you can do the, uh, the Arctic crossing. So like, that's like <laughs> Canada up into Greenland, Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Faroe Islands, Scotland, and then finally here. Um, which I really wanted to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I've watched videos <laughs> of people doing that and they've got like their, yeah, I mean, you're wearing like your cold water suit while flying and all that. Yeah, right? yeah. You need a you you rent an immersion suit. You need a, you need to rent like a um a uh, what do they call them like um just like a, a an external tank kind of for for fuel. Right. Um, and it's just like like you you need to get a um not a not a VH or a UHF or a VHF but a HF high frequency radio, um because once you're over, I think it's between Canada and Greenland. There's no air traffic control. Right. And you're just kind of like, you're halfway there. And in my plane, it's like, 
you know, this is the go, no go decision is the weather going to hold? Because if we go any further and right. I can't land in Greenland, I'm screwed. Right. Um, or do I go back to Canada and hope I can land there and that the weather hasn't turned? So just a lot of like, I, I think if it, <laughs> in a different life, I would have, um, <laughs> if I was single, single and like 15 years younger, I, I might have done it. Might, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so no general aviation plans in the UK or you might pick that up. Um, not anytime soon. There's a glider club that I want to get involved in, um, that I've never actually done gliding before that okay. I'd, I'd like to check out. Um, but yeah, I've just, so much has been going on. I haven't had a time, had time to do any of that. Um, and the annoying thing would be for me to rent a plane here, I would need to rent a, what's called an N registered plane. So us registered plane, which they do have, uh-huh. but I, I couldn't cause I'm, I'm registered with the FAA. That's yeah. how I got my license. So I couldn't fly a, a golf or a G registered plane here without converting it to a, uh, the UK equivalent, which again means like you just can't fill out a form and have them convert it. You need to go through the whole like training thing again. Yeah. Yep, there'd be a big change. Lots of other things to focus on, like uh, yeah, yeah, life in a new country and and everything else. Um, I want to talk about like I think probably a lot of people as we interact online don't realize how long we've known each other. Like I went back and I searched my inbox for you know just Brennan Dunn. Uh, one, yep. it comes up with like eight hundred results. <laughs> so we've interacted a lot, you know, or, or really we talk about each other in newsletters and so write all the replies to the newsletters and everything else. Um, yeah. But the first email. Oh, I just closed out of this. Where did I put it? Uh, the first email that I s- sent you is the subject line is my book launch, September 4th, 2012. So I think we must yeah. have interacted on years. Hacker News, maybe. Uh, I think it was I think it was Hacker News. And I think actually before we emailed, there was a DM stuff on Twitter that I think we that could be. We, yep. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it was because back then you and I played the whole like gamify hacker news game <laughs> yeah uh oh, well the the email is uh brennan glad to see your book coming out in a few hours looking forward to reading it my book the app design handbook is out as of this morning would you mind giving it some love on hacker news currently it's it's just below the home page <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that's all yeah it was good back when we could just write these like intense blog posts and then just kind of know how to get it to the top of hacker news and and get that that mass amount of traffic that was worthless but still a lot of fun to see in google analytics yeah um, yeah when we um he read those blog posts and it was really about getting like three to five upvotes and or comments like comments were useful as well in the algorithm uh in the first yeah. 15 minutes 20 minutes something like that yeah um yeah. and then it'd have a shot at being on the home page and then it was kind of up to like the quality of the headline the quality of the yeah. article to like do whatever it was going to do from that and once you're kind of at the top it just kind of self-propels itself yeah at least for the next 24 hours or so yeah and i remember the first time i had that i think <laughs> it was my article uh how i made nineteen thousand dollars on the app store while learning to code which predated mm-hmm. our conversations a little bit yeah but that one i think it was like thirty thousand visits in a day so it was mm-hmm. It was a ton. Now I knew nothing about email lists or like how to turn no, those people yeah. into, into fans. <laughs> <laughs> but then you and I talked more. Uh, you invited me on my on your podcast, uh, and then I invited you to do an interview for uh, designing web applications. Um, yeah, and then I just remember riffing on things because you had. We'll talk about it for a second. What were you working on at the time? That uh, back in 2012. Yeah, back then it was PlanScope. Yeah. So what 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 was PlanScope and and uh, kind of the arc of it? Yeah. So PlanScope was the, I guess, yeah, it was my first SaaS. It was right after. So before PlanScope, I was um, doing the agency thing. So I had a, an 11 person agency in Virginia and frankly, just got tired of client work. Yeah. So um, I think, so what I did is I actually took, um, I took Amy Hoy's class just to show how long she's been doing this stuff too. Yep. 30 by 500 back in 2010 or 2011. And, um, it back then it was a bit different format wise, but long, you know, long and short of it was, I ended up, she convinced me not to do kind of the, uh, the flashy web app things that I wanted to do and, mm-hmm. and had me focus in on like something where targeting businesses, something that actually solves the tangible problem they have and so on. And that led to PlanScope, which was a project management tool specific to, um, well, 
freelancers and agencies. Yeah. So it was kind of the tool I wish I would have had with my own company. And in doing that, that was kind of the, you know, I think all of us know that you you just put up a marketing site for SaaS and if you have no audience, good luck. Yeah. Um, anyone to it. So I started doing the content marketing thing, I guess. I, I didn't really know what it was called back then. I just knew blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read blogs. If I write them, maybe yeah. other people will read them and then yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. that into whatever I'm promoting. Right. Yeah. So I, I did that. And then I would do like, you know, one of the things Amy teaches is the whole watering hole approach where you go and like, um, go to forums. I forgot even the name of these random forums that had freelancers way back then, but I would go and kind of post links to my own articles in them, not just as spammy, but like contextually yeah. into my replies. And that's, that started to work. And then um, the byproduct of that was um, the SaaS never hugely took off, but I started doing info products um, alongside of it that came with, I guess, the blog, if you will. Um, so a lot of freelancers started joining who didn't really care about the software, but they wanted to know my advice on pricing or getting clients or whatever else. So I started to create products for them. I think one of the first ones was that book you referenced, uh, which was a book at the time, W Freelancing Rate, which I sold on eJunkie just to date myself. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> um, and then, and yeah, that, that kind of evolved into a few other products over the years. And then Eventually, I um, sold PlanScope and focused on sold PlanScope without the blog and without the email list, mm -hmm. so just the software, and um, turned that into Double Your Freelancing, which um, was really, I guess, how I started to really get into this stuff. Um, that was just a kind of a, still is, um, but like a email list of um, you know, a good amount of people and then just products. And I've done conferences, which I know you spoke at one yep. in, in Stockholm. And um, did you do the US one too? Yeah, or I spoke at the US one as well. Actually, uh, uh, Brad um, Polly, who's one of our longest engineers at ConvertKit, he and I always talk about the W Freelancing Conference in Virginia because yeah, uh, I think we'd met maybe at Amy Hoy's Bacon Biz um, a little bit before that. And so mm -hmm. we, uh, Brad and I knew each other but on the uh, like evening cruise that you rented around <laughs> around the harbor, Brad yeah. and I talked a bunch, and that's when like we decided that he was going to come work, like work for ConvertKit, and you know oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was one of your first cars. He was early, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Like he, he's been with ConvertKit yeah. for just over six years now. So wow, nice. Yeah. So it was, it, we always go back to like, oh yeah, we met on like a dinner cruise, and you know, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> was the deal there. So all thanks to you putting it together at the you know at the W Freelancing Conference in in Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a wild ride. I mean, and then um, W Freelancing again, like I mentioned, it's it's still around, but it's kind of in maintenance mode is probably a, a good way of putting it. Yeah, and. Um, but it still works uh, in the sense that people still buy stuff and people. Well, and that's where. And stuff. I mean, you really got into the whole world of automation at that point. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah, yeah. I mean, describing it as in maintenance mode is kind of like downplays what it actually is. It's like this pretty, I don't know. I'm trying to think what the word is like sophisticated set of automations and content, right. That's been built over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a good amount of like automatic pitching and um, automatic onboarding and all that good stuff that's happening um, that, yeah. I mean, it, it could be, frankly, there's stuff I could do to make it even more effective, but they're always, is. I'm uh, yeah, it's just one of those things like, well, let's, um, maybe let's finish the arc. And then I want to dive into some of those things like the evergreen yeah. newsletters and, and all of that. So from W freelancing, um, you, that like got you totally immersed in the world of, uh, personalization, automation, how to do, uh, things with the email. Like I think of you as like one of the foremost experts in the world of personalization and, and all of that. Just taking, I mean, you ended up with a deep marketing background and a deep code background. And you're like, great, let me combine these two um, and build systems for it. And then you got into uh, yeah. starting right message to kind of make some of those things easier. Um, let's talk about that for a second. What, well, so actually right message was born out of your drip scripts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, right. Exactly. So I did, um, before, long before mastering ConvertKit, I had mastering drip, uh -huh. um, which one of the bonuses, if you will, was a zip file called drip pro tools. Because one thing that drip did was they had a drip, um, JavaScript kind of include you could put on your website that 
if you knew how to code JavaScript, would get you access to read and write any tags or custom fields. So what I did was I just wrote like a wrapper, if you will, that made it easy to um, query and set stuff yep. uh, through that through that pipe. And yeah, it, it was it kind of turned into a first version was like let's figure out how to make this a SaaS because most of the people who want this are marketers who the idea of like write JavaScript doesn't really sit well with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, first version was straight up website personalization with the idea of, of like, you've got data in say Drip or ConvertKit or wherever of like, hey, this person's a customer, they're in this industry, whatever else. And therefore I'm going to change the headline on our homepage or I'm going to mm -hmm. change the surround or whatever else. And that was the first version, um, which is kind of how we started. And then we quickly started to realize that there was a big segmentation deficiency that, because you can't do like personalization requires segmentation data behind the scenes. Yep. So you can't say like, show this case study if you don't know what industry somebody's in. So we then started doing, um, initially it was called write-esque, but it was kind of like a uh, add-on, if you will, to write message that would let you do like unobtrusive surveys on your mm -hmm. website that would, you know, you say, oh, I'm in finance. And then it just syncs up to ConvertKit and stores that data on their contact record. Um, and that's slowly where we've been going ever since is we, we started to realize that the website personalization stuff, while really interesting and fun, is really hard strategically to get people to execute on because it requires like, all right, now we need to come up with 10 different headline variations instead of one different headline, right. one headline. And, you know, there's a lot of upfront strategy that really requires more than just, I'm starting to think that that's more of like a kind of bounce exchange model where you need to have or whatever they're called nowadays of um, yeah. like strategy, but also software, right? So we're, we're shifting away toward that to be more of a straight up lead gen slash segmentation platform. Um, and that's what we've been kind of doing ever since. Nice. Yeah. So for someone who doesn't know like the type of personalization that you would use, I think that what type of freelancer you are that you, like you would always use yeah. in um, for W freelancing like maybe talk through that, both how you'd ask the question yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. uh, how you'd use that data, you know, down the road. Right. Well, sure. The big light bulb moment. So when I first double your free freelancing rate, which is that book, I that e-junkie book yep. way back when, turned into an online course because what's an easy way to add another figure to the price point? Yeah. Call it a course. Um, so made it a course, uh, you know, put together the sales page. And one thing that came from, I think, that early Hacker News thing that you and I share was that most of the early testimonials were all developers or mm -hmm. designer types. So, you know, there's definitely like a bias toward that. That's, that's what I was too. So you, you read the sales page, you look at all the case studies and testimonials, and they're pretty much all developers and designers. I got an email once from a, co a copywriter who wrote in and said, I've heard good things about your course. But I'm looking at the sales page and it looks like it's targeting developers and designers. I'm a copywriter. Can this help me? And I, I started, you know, not not immediately, but over time I started to think how many other people thought that but didn't right. write in, right? Probably a lot. I mean, this happens all the time because people want the thing seemingly made just for them. So what I started thinking was, well, okay, um, a web page is a web page and whether it's dynamically generated or static you know, who cares? Yep. Um, if I could know that this person was a copywriter in advance and then make it so when she gets to the sales page, I just swap out little bits and pieces of content to make it more copywriter-ish. Because the fact of the matter is the course is about, you know, it's it's not technical in any way. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's just how to think about pricing freelance work. Um, so the bias was probably really helping developers and designers, but it was, you know, cutting off a, a whole big audience. Every other customers. type of freelancer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just thought, well, what if I could somehow capture what they are and then just spit it back out at them when they're on the sales page through a, you know, show testimonials from other copywriters, um, show testimonials from other designers and kind of make it seem like, you know, like you don't want to be too heavy, like, hey, designer, comma, buy this thing. But you could yeah. do like softer you could do more nuanced stuff, right? So that's, that's really, frankly, where it all started is 
experimenting with a lot of custom code with that stuff. And then thinking, well, this, you know, this is a viable thing that I think makes a lot of sense for people and they don't want to deal with getting developers to implement the stuff. So yeah. And that, that's, yeah. So that's where it all started. Yeah. And so an example, I think the best example of that on sales page is you're swapping out two things. And I think it's really important. Like most people think of personalization and they think of like, Hey, first name, first name. you know, or whatever. Style. And so they're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to ask you what type of, um, freelancer you are, designer, developer, copywriter, et cetera. And now I'm going to print that into the page of like, exactly what you're talking about, like a yeah. designer, or since you're a designer, you know, and it's like Mad Lib yeah. style filling in and you can do that. But the better thing to do is to say like in this testimonial block, I have four testimonials and I'm going to pick the one that's most appropriate where someone's like, you know, as a copywriter, this course helped me do X, Y, and Z. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, or then here's a different yeah. one from a designer and, and you're just picking which one to go in there. Yeah. And that could be the feature testimonial. You could still have other testimonials yeah. from other type, but exactly. the featured one could be somebody like them. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's a great point, right? You might have, say if that block has four testimonials, then you're just picking mm-hmm. which one goes in the big block versus the smaller, yeah. you know, it's, it's purely a design aesthetic uh, change. Exactly. Um, the content's the same. And then yeah. another thing that you and I have both nerded out forever about sales pages, you know, and have had a lot of help from Amy Hoy and others who are like really good copywriters. And one thing that we've always done is uh, like make an assertion in your page. Like, like if you were to say, this is really great to help uh, designers increase their freelancing rate, right? Then we would follow yeah. it up with a testimonial that says basically the same thing in a totally different yeah. way, right? So we're like, here's the yeah. thing, I'll help you. And then the testimony is like, wow, this really helped me do exactly that thing. And so you're with the personalization, you're able to tie these things together uh, in a way that someone's like, oh, I see myself in this page. This product yeah. was made for me. Exactly. And I think, I think a lot of us, especially those of us who have done stuff with paid ads, we've always been told like, you need to match the ad creative with the landing page, right? right. Like you need to make it so they click the, this ad, <laughs> The, the, the landing page headline should probably just reiterate that ad, right? Yep. Um, and that, that's kind of what, what we're getting at here, which is like one of the ways I'm, I'm using this with W Freelancing at the moment is when people join uh, the email course that leads to the sales page eventually, I ask people point blank, why are you joining? Why did you just opt into this course? Is it because you want to figure out how to price in general or you want to, um, you're doing okay, but you want to start pricing on value? Or maybe you're sending proposals and they're all getting shot down. So I've I've kind of come up with three different reasons that people generally have that originally came from a lot of open-ended reply and tell me why you joined, mm-hmm. which are now specific three different groups. So people answer that. I get about an 80% completion rate of that. Um, so 80% of people basically joining the email course tell me that, which is great. And then about two weeks later, they're going to get pitched on the paid course and the headline on the sales page and the way the offer is described, surprise, surprise, is d- dialed into that pain point. Because if the email course, the, the, the problem that led them to join the email course is going to mirror the problem that's going to lead them to buy the paid course that right. relates to it. So that's all that's happening. And it's just a lot of, if you think about it, if then condition stuff, like mm-hmm. if they said this, say that, you know, um, and, and that's really just. What's going on with that? Yeah. So in that case, there's two main um, segmentation things happening, right? What type of freelancer are you? And what's the biggest pain point yep. that you're... Exactly. So I, I boil it down to the who and the why. Like, who are you? So I can show you case studies and testimonials and, and maybe even language if I want to go that far that reflects who you are in your worldview. And then why are you here right now? That can allow me to either give you a specific product if I have a portfolio or... If I want to give everyone the same product, um, I can describe it in such a way that aligns with what they need help with. Yep. I love that. Well, and I guess another important point to make is this personalization or the, yeah, the segmentation is not happening on the sales page, right? That's information that you're collecting much earlier. Because if you come to the sales page and it's like, what type are you? And they answer that. And I mean, that might be something interaction right at the beginning, but like, it's not. It's not as good. What you're doing is using a free email course, you know, yep. to say, hey, sign up for this. I'm going to give you all this information for free. That's your your lead magnet. 
Um, as part of that, you're collecting information either upfront on the signup page. Um, with right message, it makes it really easy to collect information like immediately after they sign up. Um, yep. or over time, you know, in the email, yep. um, with like link triggers or whatever else. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so with that, then you're building the profile over time. Uh, and then yep. when it comes time and it, look, right, the right time might just be two weeks later. Um, but when it comes time to send the sales page or just whatever, yep. I mean, the way it works out is, and, and not to get too technical, but with what we're doing at right messages, we basically have created a link between like, in this case, ConvertKit with my, my site. So what happens is somebody's on the sales page and we're basically querying ConvertKit and saying, hey, what do we know about this person? Mm -hmm. um, oh, they're segmented this way. So if that's true, since they're segmented as a struggling with proposals, we're going to change the H1 or the heading on that page to be the proposal text or something. Right. And that's pretty much all that's happening there. But yeah, we're, we're collecting all this in advance. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, well, let's talk about the evergreen um, newsletters that you put together, right? Because people have this idea of getting on a content yeah. treadmill, right? Of, okay, every Tuesday I'm yep. putting out a newsletter. Here we go. And I'm supposed to write something epic, right? It should be just fantastic content. The best thing you've yep. read on the internet about this topic. No problem. Just do it every Tuesday yeah. forever. <laughs> you know, what's your approach and how did you, uh, how do you approach that and make it evergreen? I mean, I think that's fine when you're starting out because you have nothing to make evergreen. Right. But I think over time, you start to realize, like, you definitely, we all have best hits. And my thinking is that when somebody just joins your email list, they're kind of really eager to see, like, am I, is this, is this good for me? Like, do I really like what this person has to say? So rather than throwing somebody headfirst into whatever you happen to be sending that week, I really like the idea of saying, well, look, I've been writing consistently for a year. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to repurpose that content and say, these articles got a lot of really great response and put them first. Um, and then, you know, kind of prioritize things that way so that there's two ways of looking at this. I think the first is that you could say everyone gets an automated evergreen newsletter if they're eligible for it. Meaning if you have a 52 week evergreen newsletter and they've been on your list 53 weeks, they're not going to get it any longer because you don't have anything for them. Um, so they, they're, if they're eligible, they get that. And then also if you're sending a live newsletter that week, they also get that. So then potentially somebody who is within that window of kind of being new, they're getting maybe hearing from you twice a week. One of them happens to be live. The other happens to be canned. Mm -hmm. But from their perspective, as long as the information that they're getting is eye-opening and, and valuable, they don't care if you wrote it that morning or if you wrote it a year ago, as long as it's benefiting them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion. I mean, it's, it's what allowed me to focus on right message and kind of ignore W freelancing because I had a 52 week long evergreen sequence. So if somebody joins the email list from a Google search, they have no idea that I've, you know, this isn't content that changes right. frequently. I mean, if I was writing about like the news or, you know, what's happening in Ukraine or something like that, that wouldn't work as an evergreen newsletter. Yeah. But for th this kind of stuff, for most, like if you're helping somebody like with email marketing or with freelancing or whatever else, I mean, the stuff can be refreshed, but it doesn't need to be something that is, um, that matters if it was written that morning or not. Yeah. So having it where your best content, well, I guess another thing is, is you can tweet this over time. Right. So your newsletter yeah. is in this order. And then you're like, ooh, this one that I wrote is really good. Let me go put that here. Yeah. And the other thing is yeah. you, you can write these as you go. So say you you had mm -hmm. four or five emails in there. Yeah. And then people are, are budding right up at like you've got this group that are right at the end, you know? Yeah. And you put Attack the fifth email and then, then they get it. You the sixth email exactly. and then they get yeah. it. Yeah. But then someone signs up uh six months later, right? And they're on their own timeline working through it at a at a completely different pace. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was just gonna say, that's the beauty of it is you can, you can, yeah, like you said, you can, you can add to it in real time mm -hmm. and everyone who's, who's lingering at the end of that automate, uh, that sequence is going to get that, that email you push to the end. Um, but you know, the guy who joins a year from now is just going to get it naturally a week later or, or whatever your interval is. And it just works out well. Um, you can also do one other thing that, that I, I really enjoy doing with this stuff too is, when you get segmentation data up front, like if they say they're struggling with X, you could have feeder evergreen newsletter sequences that are dialed into X 
for the first, say, month or two, and then dump everyone into kind of a general trip, if you will. Right. Um, and one benefit of that is, you know, if they say, hey, I'm struggling with X, and then your weekly emails <laughs> is just about that. You can really, really help me with X. I mean, it, like, it, it's incredible just how how that works. I mean, it's 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 better for, I think, user experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what people want. They want to be on a list and they want to be getting a high signal to noise ratio. And if you've given them inputs, signals, you can then respond in kind with content that helps them with that. And, and, and that's just a matter of you curating and saying, all right, I've, you know, I have three different groups that people fit into. I've written a lot of content. How can I, you know, curate things in such a way that appeals to each of these groups? Yeah. The other thing that I like about it is it lets me reference my earlier content, right? If there's a couple articles mm-hmm. that I've written that are sort of the flagship pieces and I don't yeah. want to, you know, in email 57, you know, or, or newsletter 57, <laughs> right? I don't want to rehash that so that you understand it well enough, right? Because it's buried in my archives. You've probably never read it. I want to just be able to say in my ladders of wealth creation article, and I want to be able to mm-hmm. trust that you've read that. I think you know what that is. Because, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, in my evergreen sequence, it's like email number four, you know, it's email like those things. So now yeah. I know everyone who signs up is at least who knows if they're reading it, right? But they're, they're at least um, getting that sent to them. And then I can reference back to it. And it's like, hey, to understand my work and the, the things that uh, I value and what I'm teaching, like these five pieces are foundational. And now I know that everyone mm-hmm. has done that. Because I remember uh, like when I first discovered Chris Gillibo's content, I went and read, I don't know when this was, 2011, probably. I went and read his entire website, you know, from like the previous four years. Uh, yeah. But most people don't do that. You know, no. like that's, that's no. not a normal experience. And so this lets you go, okay, but here's the five most important things. Exactly. And, and to be honest, if they happen to read, say you syndicate all your content to your site, if they happen to read that before opting in or even after, and you happen to email to them a, a few weeks later, first question is, will they remember? Right. Which is always something that I think we put a little too much, I don't know, a diplomatic way of putting this, but yeah. I think, yeah, stalking people actually caring about what we're up to as much as we are, as much as we care about it, you know? Um, so first off, will they remember? And secondly, even if they do remember reading this in the past, now, now maybe having read other stuff of yours and kind of being a bit more immersed into your world, it's going to be, it's going to be a little more impactful to read it maybe again. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I really, really don't think you need to be on this hook for coming up with original content every single week. And if you do great, like some people might get two emails that week from you right. and there's no harm if they're both really good emails. You know? Yeah. That's the thing that I do where I, I send a live email uh, so mm-hmm. a, a broadcast in ConvertKit every Tuesday, except for the Tuesdays yep. that I miss because various things. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then my evergreen sequence, which is only maybe 12 emails long or something, goes out every mm-hmm. Thursday. And so then... So there's no overlap. Yeah, there's no day that you're going to get both of them. And then the Thursday one yeah. eventually drops off, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I go in yeah. and add other stuff. If someone was just getting started, and maybe the answer is an evergreen sequence... Uh, but they're talking about like automation, personalization, all that stuff. What's sort of the gateway drug that you would give them to be like, okay, here's this crazy complex world. And we haven't even gotten into the intensity that you can do it all with, but where you're like trying to just get them in a little bit of like, Hey, try this one thing and you'll start to see some value without having to go off the deep end. Yeah. So I think what I would do, so I used to be a big advocate of doing upfront segmentation. So that would be like, like a survey or something that leads to an opt-in form. Mm-hmm. Thinking that, well, even though you're going to get fewer people seeing the opt-in form, the people who do see it are going to be more likely to opt in, so on and so forth. Fortunately, I've been doing this a while that I've realized numerically that doesn't always work that well. So what I prefer doing now is using the, the confirmation page or the thank you page, which is generally a go check your email page and yeah. that's it, um, to embed a uh, effectively a survey on it that is very simple and says, look, I want to make sure you get exactly what you need. Being now that you're on my email list, I'd love to know a bit about like, what what do you need from me right now? What's most important? A bit about like, so what I ask on Create and Sell is stuff like, um, why are you here? Is it because you want to build your audience? Are you looking to turn more subscribers into customers? You know, whatever. I also ask them things like, what email platform do you use? Mm -hmm. Workkit, nothing, this, that, whatever. 
And then I ask them to kind of self-assess their abilities with said platform. And all that data then gets sent up to ConvertKit. So what ends up happening is my onboarding emails are delayed five minutes to give time for that data to come through. And then I just kind of drop bits and pieces of that to show people that I'm listening yeah. in the onboarding emails. So, you know, it, it's as simple as just saying like, hey, I know you're looking to build a list, um, your list faster and you're using ConvertKit. So I just want to show I'm going to like what I'm going to be doing is every single week you're going to get high quality content for me. That's going to help you do exactly that. And it's one of those things where experience wise, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who said like, I know that's automated. I know you're just kind of parroting back what I've told you, but it's good to know you're listening. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not just being treated as like a one size fits all message type thing. So I think the simplest thing, which is typically most effective would be the first few emails that you send out are critical, these onboarding emails. And if you can find a way to you know, just just rehash and, and you can do this with, with like, say you have four different lead magnets and one of them is targeting a certain need and another targets a different need and they all funnel maybe into the same, you, say you give them the file or the PDF and then they all funnel into the same onboarding flow. Maybe even just use that as indicators like, well, if they join this one, maybe I can mention something about what that lead magnet's helping with or something and, you know drop that a few times into the onboarding sequence. So I think like that's usually what I recommend people do is just think, how can I welcome roll out the welcome mat and give them a, a more individual experience based off of what I know about them so far? Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about people knowing that, like how this works or that like, mm -hmm. oh, I understand how you're using the segmentation and that you're using data I just gave yeah. you. But that's because you and I are both in a market where we're talking to newsletter creators and marketers and others who get this, right? If you have yeah. your, if your newsletter is about food, right? Or mm -hmm. fitness or something else, they have no idea. Like your audience is going to be like, I see what you're doing. They're going to be like, yeah. wow, this is great. This content feels like it's written just for me. You know, no one is going to be like, oh, you put me inside of a switch statement and I've dropped down into this <laughs> you know, yeah. like the like when I, I mean, I'm sure you get these emails too, where it's like, you know, Nathan, the, the email you sent me today was so good. I'm like, thank you so much for writing that. It's like, what? oh, that, yeah. Today, okay, so you're getting this. Which of the 52 <laughs> emails did you get today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that where someone was uh, blowing up my Twitter DMs and, you know, exactly that of like, they were disagreeing <laughs> with the article that I wrote today. And I had published an article that day, like live, like actually on my blog. And so I was right. like, I... What was controversial about it? I don't, I'm not seeing the connection. And then I realized, oh, you're on the ever, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the article that I wrote 10 months ago that you got. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that that's, I mean, granted, there, there are CD things you can do that that kind of are, uh, make that even worse. Like the, you know, we've talked about this is sent for my iPhone trick that some people do and like the fake reply, Hey, Nathan, I saw you didn't, you know, reply to this email. I want to make sure you got it. Like that kind of right. stuff. I'm not advocating at all ever doing that, but, um, even with relatively simplish things like what we're talking about of automated newsletters. Um, yeah, I mean, again, people don't care and it, and it allows you, I think, if you do this right, if you if you set up like an automated or evergreen newsletter, you can focus your efforts on acquisition, going out and, and getting more people on your list or R&D and building out new products and services rather than thinking, crap, I need to go and log into ConvertKit this week and bang out a new article and to keep the list warm and, you know, all the usual stuff that, right. that we we do. Um, yeah, I just I, I find it really freeing once you've once you have that kind of system in place. Yeah, you're well. On that note, it's it is really freeing because you can put time into creating new content because everything you create keeps working for you rather than just being right. this one-off thing. Uh, you're sent from exactly. my iPhone comment. If, if anyone didn't quite pick up on that, uh, what it's talking about is or what you're talking about, Brennan, is people will often switch up the format of their autoresponders. Right. So if you have like yeah. a nicely designed email, it's got a template and all of that. Right. Yeah. Email one, two, and three. Uh, this often happens, like a lot of SaaS companies do this, honestly, is like, here's how to get the most of it, right? You can 100% yeah. onboarded or uh, automated looking emails, all that. We all get and understand it. Yeah. And then that third or fourth email is like totally personalized, super short, probably has no capitalization in the subject line. And it's just like, Great hey, Brendan, how you signed up. Yeah. Love it. Any quick feedback for me? Or like, 
you know, yeah. like signed Nathan, you know, and the from the founder. Email. Yeah. And then it's got like sent from my iPhone and then, yeah, <laughs> you know, so there's a version of it. I personally like the, uh, switching from the template, like the email template, mm-hmm. the design one into the plain text, uh, yeah. and then making it casual. And then the yeah. taking it too far aside would be like adding, you know, re colon, like, you know, whatever. And then set for my iPhone where it's like, okay, now you're just lying to me. Whereas before yeah. it was like, you're just breaking up the format, you know, to optimize for replies. Yeah. I saw a great one the other day. I'm not going to name names, but it was like a, it was one of those re subject ones. Right. And it was like, Hey, Brennan, um, got this forwarded for my assistant realized we never, you know, never heard back from you. And then the like fake reply at the bottom was, it looks like Brennan has not read this, you know, article that we sent him last week or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, doesn't work that way. (laughs) I wasn't born yesterday. Um, (laughs) yeah. And you, you see stuff like that, right. Where someone has made a, has an image generation tool like banner bear or something like that, where they're using it to take, your website and put it onto their laptop so that it's like trying to pretend to be personalized. <laughs> yeah. There's so much uh, stuff that you can do. But one yeah. other thing that I picked up from you years ago is just that email that asks for replies. And this is especially valuable in yeah. the early days. That just says, hey, what's your biggest frustration with learning mm-hmm. design, learning for like whatever the topic that you write about is? Because then you just have this thing in your automation where... Yep. I don't know, say 30%, 40% of people who sign up are replying and giving you their biggest frustration so that you know what to write about. Because in the early days, you're just like, what do I even write about? Well, like, I don't, I don't know. And someone, then you get this email that pops up in your inbox. Someone's like, oh, this was really helpful. You know, my biggest frustration is learning how to do backs. And you're like, oh, guess I'll write about that today. Like, that's easy. Yeah. You know, I can be like, dear John, here's how to do X. And then I can like tweak it into a, you know, an article. Uh, and add to it. So I think that's a great automation to add. So two things I'm doing that I, I really like that have been working well so far. Uh, one of them is that right after somebody joins my list, even though I have segment data, I push them to a, a form that says, if I were to dedicate next week's newsletter to you, what would you want, want me to write about in that, mm-hmm. in that newsletter? The uptake rate is huge. And I just have it filing into an error table. And then I just dip into that from time to time. And think like, oh, this this would be fun to write about. And you get the benefit of being able to say, you know, Nathan wrote it and said, copy and paste. Yeah. Um, and then it just makes writing it a lot easier. It shows people that there are others like them who are reading your stuff. Um, so doing that is a really like that plus, uh, well, that's just a version of what you what right. you just described. And then you can also do something like a month after somebody joins, this would be an automation. You could say, hey, you've been getting my stuff for about a month now. I'd love to know, like, are you getting what you said? And this is where you can throw back what they told you they joined for. But but even without that, you can just say, like, are you getting what you hoped to be getting, you know, from my emails? You know, I'd love to know, just like reply and, and share with me, like, yay, nay, like, right. what should I be doing differently? And you can just build these automated feedback loops that, like you said, just on autopilot, bring in great data that helps you course correct and helps you figure out what I should be you know, focusing on and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love it. Like, I think when people think of automation, they think of these flywheels that you're building uh, tied to revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Of, okay, now I don't have to launch my course every six months. So remember to link to it in this newsletter. I can just build this out and it's linking to it and I have regular sales coming in. Um, but I yeah. think the flywheels that are built around content and feedback loops are, are just as valuable. Because then you could also yeah. have one in there. Let's say you really enjoy making new products. You could have one in there that's saying like, hey, this is quite a ways down the funnel. You know, hey, I see that you bought X, Y, and Z. What else would you like to see me make as a paid product? Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you'll see these come through and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to make that. Nope. Oh, that is actually <laughs> a good idea. I might I might make that sometime. Or if you see five people ask for the same thing, you're like, all right, maybe I should validate that and go down that path. Well, it's that whole thing of like life cycles, right? Where if I if I just joined your list today, and then tomorrow I get an, a broadcast email that was sent from you. That's like, what should I be writing about differently that I've, that, than what I've been writing about? I'm not ready for that email, right? Um, but, you know, the, the life cycle thing, the story I like to tell about this is way back when I did my um, agency stuff. We had a client who was a real estate firm locally who wanted us to build a very simple app that would say whenever they closed on a house, they go and plug in the person's name like Nathan Berry, mm-hmm. plug in the date of closure, and then we would just 
generate an iCal calendar feed for them that they'd load into their phone and would say like two weeks later, call Nathan and say, hey, have you met the neighbors yet? What are they like? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Four weeks later, is anything broken? Like, are you settling nicely into the house? One year later, happy anniversary, because they know referrals are such a big thing, right? Right. But, which is, makes sense for them, but we can be doing this to say, yeah, somebody buys from us, let's hit them up two weeks later and say like, what have you implemented so far? And use this to like maybe generate early case studies or testimonials or whatever else. Um, you can kind of capture kind of work in progress things like when they buy, ask them to reply and share what it is, why did they buy? Like, what do they need right. this to do for them? And then like a month in or however long it takes them to kind of apply what you're, what you're, what you sold them, ask them like, Hey, even if it's still a work in progress, like what kind of, what, what, from what you've learned so far has, has have you started applying mm-hmm. and benefiting from potentially? And, and you could just use this to like, I mean, it's such a great way. Automation is such an, a powerful tool for generating te- testimonials, generating, um, article ideas, product ideas, and just getting a pulse in a really nice way that, you know, do this right. You're going to get feedback coming in daily from like all these various um, streams where, you know, people are replying and this and that. And yeah, it's just, a, I think it's a really underutilized way to um, to leverage automation. Yeah. So we talked a lot about like, you know, relatively simple automations and you can layer these on each other. Maybe if we're going the other way, what's something that's more complex, either really complex uh, or more complex that you feel like that got you really excited where you're putting something together and you're like, okay, this is advanced or expert level as far as the complexity to set it up, but it's so freaking cool that I can, you know, do this thing. Okay. Well, I just rolled it out last week, so I'm going to share <laughs> with that. I'm with that. So I'm using Sparkloop, which I know we all know about. Yep. Um, which is a newsletter referral program. And typically speaking, most of the ways of using it is like you, you refer three people, you get X, you refer 10, you get Y or yep. something like that. Stickers, uh, free. Yeah, work, exactly. Whatever. So I built a model where every referral generates $5 in store credit for my, my, my stuff. And I'm storing all that data in ConvertKit as custom field data. So I'm using ConvertKit as a bank ledger um, <laughs> okay. where it's tracking available credit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tracking total total credit generated, less credit spent equals out to available credit, right? So what it's doing is every time a referral happens, that data is getting synced into ConvertKit. And so I can go in and see like how much credit different people have. Um, but on top of that, what's happening is so I mentioned the the newsletters that I send out, right? Um, my my business with Create and Sell is basically send out a, a weekly or a twice weekly newsletter. And I want to have a recommended product, since I have a few different products now on offer, uh, a recommended product that's based off of what I think you should buy based off of what I know about you. So segment data along with, um, or interest segment data, along with what you've done so far. Like what have you bought and haven't bought? Mm-hmm. So what's happening is it's crunching a randomized offer. And there's a bunch of variations to the call to actions for each of these different things. So if like Nathan gets email and it says, you should buy Master and ConvertKit, there might be five or six different things I have loaded in that gets cycled through to promote Master and ConvertKit with every email you get. Um, but it's also layering on top your credit. So if you have a $1,000 course, so let's say you have $200 in credit because you referred 40 people or whatever that yep. would be, um, it would say Master and ConvertKit, 1,000 strikeout, 800, save 20%. Um, you, and then you click on it, you go to the site, a little thing pops up saying, do you wanna apply your $200 credit? You click yes. And then it's like a custom coupon that gets magically applied. So it took a lot of work to make that happen, but I'm starting, I mean, it's only been, it's been less than a week, but um, it's definitely starting to work, um, both from a referral basis, like people wanting credit mm-hmm. and also, um, people buying and seeing, oh, I've, I've already got some money in my account. Might as well apply it to- uh, Oh, that's interesting. One of that by giving them $20 off because they've referred, referred four people, they might be more mm-hmm. likely to buy because it's exactly. not a sunk cost, but it's, uh, I don't know what the psycho- psychology term would be, but they, they already have some skin in the game, right? They already have it in, yeah. Yeah, and who doesn't want to pass up a deal? And I'm already thinking, I don't know if I'm going to go this far of having decays. So 
yeah, you get $5 when you refer somebody. But if you don't use that $5 in a month or two, it goes away. Um, so like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll go that far. But I think what I really like about this is I can just go out and send out my newsletters and just do kind of a one size fits all. Like I want to write about this this week. Mm -hmm. And then I know that a recommended personalized offer with potentially credit applied based off of their activity and, and there's copy under it about how they can get more credit, um, that's being shown. So I just write the thing and the call to action is dynamic based off of them and their unique attributes. Right. Okay. So something uh, that we haven't talked about yet specifically is liquid and how liquid is yeah. um, key to making this all happen. What's an example of something this is a hard question, right? Because you do everything in the emails with Liquid. So maybe maybe uh, explain quickly what, what Liquid is and then some of those uh, examples of what you use it for in an email. Okay, so Liquid is a uh, templating language built by Shopify, which funny enough, way back when, back in 2008, I was using it for a CMS for an agency I was working for at the time because every agency built a CMS. Yep. Um, so I was using it back with with Ruby way back when. But basically long and short of it is Liquid is a it's a relatively sophisticated with quite a few drawbacks, but it's a it's a way for you to at its most basic level spit data out mm -hmm. from like a custom field or something or conditionally show content based off of say a tag. Um, but you can go a bit further because you can do mathematical things on with Liquid you can do uh, you can transform things. You can say like, you know, take the first name, reverse it, make it all caps, spit it back out. Um, so you can do kind of like Cody type things. Um, but yeah, I mean, done right, you can you can calculate whatever. You can draw percentage bar graphs because you can say, well, if you know there are ten emails total and they've done three, well, we're going to calculate that and realize that's thirty percent. We're going to have a bar graph and make it thirty percent wide, and that can all be done. With liquid so yeah i mean convertkit processes all your emails with with liquid so it's a cool templating language yeah. um and i'm glad, glad it's supported one uh i mean there's there's a bunch of interesting things that you can do with it you know one one thing is uh if you were doing a a course that like automatically opens and closes or sorry a, a product launch right and so yeah. it's time just to you instead of it being like from february 1st to february 15th uh every mm -hmm. year Right, it's time just to where you are in the sequence. It's it's like going from week twenty seven to week thirty in our evergreen yeah. sequence. With Liquid, yeah. you can do things like uh, figure out what that date is that the cart is going to close, uh, and then say, "Hey," mm -hmm. and then you you can cast it over and figure out what day of the week that is. And say, "Hey, this is closing next yep. Tuesday," yep. and like and you know print an absolute date into an email that was sent relative to when. Uh, someone's yeah. getting it and all kinds of other things. Yeah. I mean, you can do just carry on the date stuff. One thing I'm doing with your freelancing is when you first join the list, the first email says like, I, 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 it's heavily personalized with a lot of liquid, but then at the bottom of it, I say, if you're committed to doing this email course and what I teach in it and, um, want to commit to me that you, you want to make a change, you want to increase X or whatever else, click this link. That's a link trigger. And when that link trigger is clicked, it sets a timestamp of the time and date of when that link was clicked. So that when I go to pitch about a week and a half later, it, 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 it'll spit out, it'll say, hey, so on the 14th of February at 4.27, you told, I actually don't put the time, but I say the 14th of February, you, you told me that you were committed to solving X once and for all, no more excuses, no more whatever. And now I wanna show you exactly how you can do that. So little things like that, where we're basically using Luckwood to say, getting a date, and we're going to transform it in such a way to say last Monday, like you mentioned, or 14th of February mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, there's just a lot, a lot of interesting things you can do. One, one thing I do with it is in my email templates, I have all of my affiliate links as liquid variables. So whenever I'm like linking, let's say I talk about ConvertKit and I want to link to my ConvertKit affiliate link, mm -hmm. or if I do it with Sparkloop or whatever else, all I do is I just put in the uh, liquid variable name. And then I don't need to worry about like remembering what is that, you know, stupid, whatever I got to, yeah. I got to remember uh, for it. So it's, it's a really nice, like there's, it does take some coding prowess to be honest, mm -hmm. to um, know how to use it beyond just sticking in field data or conditional stuff. Um, but there's a lot you can do with it. 
Yeah, when you have the creator email template pack, which is taking a bunch yeah. of, of these things that are kind of a pain to put together. Like one example um, is the the newsletter referral widget, right? Where you have a yeah. bar graph that you've made that's like, yeah. you've referred zero out of three, two out of three, you know, and then you have an update. You're one referral away from unlocking this reward, yeah. you know? And I've seen a bunch of people use that. Like, I think even James Clear has used that on, on James Clear, yeah, he's using it, yep. On his newsletter. Yeah. Have you seen like that much bigger block in that, you know, tailored call to action really increase referrals? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never done a proper AB test yeah. um, against like the normal, like here's your link. But right. I, I do think that having like a game, it's not gamified, but like a leaderboard type thing, like what I, what you're referencing has like the progress that you are making towards your current, your, through your current tier. So you, like you said, you're 60% of the way there. Um, and then it shows like what you've unlocked and haven't unlocked. So I know gamification works, which is what that is. And yeah, again, I haven't done a proper, but I, I know that enough people have switched over to doing that and have stuck doing that to assume that it, it seems to yeah, work across the board. It's working well. Um, and then yeah. like one other advanced feature that you use for all of this is content snippets. Like, I think that's one yeah. of those things that's kind of buried away in ConvertKit. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I got emails of people like, why did you redesign the nav, right? Because we changed it to add these dropdowns. And it's like, so we redesigned it so that people would find features like email templates, <laughs> content snippets, right. and all the stuff that people had no idea that it existed. But you've used content yeah. snippets to make it so that, you know, you'll write this advanced thing, whether it's the referral widget or, you know, any of these things. And then you put it away in a snippet and then you can just call the snippet. And yeah, and you even do more things. You pass variables into your snippets. You, you do I a do. lot more things. Yeah, so you use it like a function call <laughs> to, to get technical. So yeah, like case in point. So I have a fancy headline or actually no, um, case, a better example would be I have a testimonial block, right? Where a testimonial is composed of a photo of a person, their quote and their name. And so what I wanted to do was to think, well, I want to use this in a lot of different ways. So what if I can put the HTML code to so the design mm -hmm. um, along with the logic code, so the liquid, in a universal or global content snippet? And then whenever I'm doing an email, I just say, hey, define name, you know, Bob, photo, here's a URL to the photo of Bob, and then Bob's quote. And then call the testimonial snippet. And that thing is smart enough to pull in that data because the liquid data is shared between the email and the content snippet. And then show a really nice rendered testimonial from Bob. Um, and that's that's basically what I'm using it for is to kind of create this consistency that I can just update that one content snippet and then everything that is showing testimonials from all these various people, all that gets affected and, and updated kind of in one go. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, and to bring it all the way back to what we're talking about sales pages, right? You could iterate through three of those and say, here's my three testimonials. I'm only going to show one yeah. of them based on whether you're a designer, a developer, or a copywriter. Yeah. And so you can abstract exactly. further. And it's just a matter of doing conditionals around the liquid variables, and then everyone still gets the embedded content snippet. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it just makes it really, really One thing that I think that's important to point out is that this can be really time consuming if you're doing it in each broadcast. But if you're doing yeah. it in email three of your evergreen sequence, that's going to mm -hmm. work for you for the next like three to five years, then the time is yep. worth it. But if you're sending out to like 500 people, you know, on your, you know, one-off broadcast, unless you're just learning and playing, right, then it's probably not worth it in that format, but it's very worth yeah. it in the, like creating the system that will power my business and content for years to come. Yeah. I mean, completely agree. The high value things like the onboarding emails or possibly even the pitch emails. Yeah that makes sense to be a little more, especially with pitch stuff, because, you know, th that's the thing where, you know, if every, if the job of every line of copies to get somebody to keep reading and not to archive the email, you know, one thing I did with my Black Friday stuff last year was I did a survey um, a few weeks in advance where I asked people what their goal was in 2022 mm. and some other questions too. And then what I did is when I started promoting my stuff, I would modify subjects based off that goal. And I would especially modify like the opening lines of these sales emails to reflect that. And I did A-B test that. And it was substantially higher. It was about 90% higher wow. um, in terms of overall sales. Just because if you think about it, 
what we're doing with that is we're saying, you're, you've told me that your goal is X, and here's why I think this thing specifically can help you with X. And then you can re-describe the way you position the product to to fit that. And, and yeah, it takes it takes more work because you need to think, you need to do the liquid coating, but you also need to think, what do I want to say differently about this product to this person versus that person? But it makes sense why it would work. And it, it's it's a high value email. I mean, if it's a proper promotional sales campaign, yeah, it makes sense to spend a bit more time making it work. Yeah, I love it. Okay, we can talk about automation for a long time and and we should. We'll do a round two at some point and, and dive into more of it because we haven't even gotten into details on how you could do um, like segmentation with right message and and so many yeah. of those other things. That the, like this, this was the very high level overview. Um, but first I'm going to give a plug for, uh, create and sell.co, which is your newsletter about all of this, you know, going into the details. If anyone's really looking for taking their email marketing, you know, and newsletter and all that to the next level, you're the person through create and sell. Who's like trying on all of the most advanced things and playing with it. So everyone should definitely go subscribe there. And then, uh, there's the creator email template pack, which has so many other things in there. You got mastering ConvertKit, uh, and then probably most of all is right message, right? That's that's the biggest uh, you know full SaaS application to make all of this yep. customization and personalization work. Uh, what else did I miss as far as where should people go to to follow you? That's probably that's, that's probably it. I mean, you can say hi on Twitter. I'm Brendan Dunn on Twitter, but yeah, I mean that's 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 trying to I'm racking my head. I mean, obviously there's double your freelancing too. Yes. But. If you're listening, you're probably more into email stuff. So, yeah. That sounds good. Well, uh, thanks for, one, building so much awesome stuff on top of ConvertKit. Like, it's way more powerful because of yeah. what you've made. Oh, you've built a, you've built a great platform. So, it, it makes it really enjoyable to work with. That's been good. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, we'll have to just keep, go- keep going on more stuff to build and more content about it. So, thanks for coming on the show and, and we'll talk again soon. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan.